This is The Grid, presented by American Shield Roofing and Construction, LLC. When you find yourself needing a roof repair and are looking for a roofing company, American Shield Roofing and Construction is happy to meet your needs. When dealing with a roofing company, you need a roof contractor who is dependable, who can arrive on time, and provide you a quality new roof in a timely manner. Our goal is to present you with honest, accurate information, quotes, and estimates. Call us at 361-343-7018 or visit us at AmericanShieldRoofing.com. Proud title sponsor of the 2021-2022 Victoria Advocate Varsity Cup Awards. Welcome back in as the seasons are definitely changing. There's a massive cold front coming up next week and that's going to be it's going to be cold. We're going to have to break out the this the hoodies, the jackets, the cold weather gear. Welcome into the grid. My name is Sam Fowler, assistant sports editor at the Victoria Advocate, joined as always by sports editor Mike Foreman and sports reporter Jeremiah Sosa. Before we go any further, I we put it out there on on social media. Granted, we probably should have put it out there at the beginning of the day, so that might be on us. But we put it out there that we want to hear from you. Send us your questions through Facebook, Twitter, email, uh, carrier pigeon. I think I think we can do that. We in our offices we see a lot of birds around the windows. Maybe we can do that. But you know, reach us through Facebook, either through the Advo Sports page or the Victoria Advocate page. Twitter, you can reach us at Advo Sports, and the email to get in touch with us that way is sports at vicad.com well this is episode eight as we get ready for week eight around high school football but let's dive into the pros bailey zappy 17 to 21 188 yards one touchdown one interception for the victoria east graduate but the most important stat a win for zappy and the patriots as they win 29 to nothing over the Detroit Lions, and it was a good defensive game, Jeremiah. You were you were paying attention to that. Now, you were probably the only one in Victoria who was um, uh, without uh, without the the NFL package who was watching watching Bailey Zappi, and you got to you got to see him, and you got to see him. Uh, do well and he picks up the win that's great for that's great for the city that's great for victoria and now moving into this week there's still a chance to for him to start mac jones is still progressing from that high ankle sprain on his left ankle uh but it looks like mac jones is is certainly on the mend and he's going to be back sooner rather than later you know uh you see zappy going out there second second appearance for him first start it, he seemed a little bit. He seemed a little bit calmer. I think you know. What did you see from him, and, and and how much did he just do what would do his job as Bill Belichick wants his guys to do, and and how did he just kind of turn just kind of turn the table over and and allow everybody else around him to make those plays and and, and help the Patriots get that win. Yeah, well, I mean, you look at the stat line, like like Sam said earlier, he went 17 of 21, um, over 80% completion percentage. So, you know, he was just getting the balls where he needed to. I think his first, his very first pass in the game, he completed like a third, over 30-yard 30 uh, completion. So I think that really settled him down just to, you know, 
be able to know that he could, you know, be out there and you know, get completions. And, you know, obviously being a quarterback under Bill Belichick, Belichick's not going to like, you know, like throw the ball, like super pass heavy, especially like in, in your first NFL start. But, you know, he was just doing his job, um, you know, get, in the first half, you know, it was mostly runs, uh, you know, quick screens out to the side. I think too crazy for, for Zappi, but, you know, in the third quarter, I think four or five of uh, the Detroit Lions, their defensive backs, they were out with injury. So, you know, that's when Zappi started throwing the ball a little bit more. And, you know, he was able to find Jacoby Myers for a 24-yard touchdown. So, you know, it, it was a very good first start for Zappi, you know, obviously uh, getting the win. Um, and, you know, I think if you're Belichick, you know, I don't want to say that, that you know, Zappi's like kind of be able to contend with Mac Jones, but, you know, it's I think it's in the back of your mind now just, you know, what Zappi was able to do, uh, you know, given given that it was his first NFL start. So, you know, whether Mac Jones comes back this week or not, I think Belichick's going to be happy uh, that Zappi's there, you know, as a backup. So, you know, good game for Zappi and, you know, good game for him to represent Victoria. Um, you know, I know Tuesday night, which was yesterday, you know, me and Sam were out covering volleyball. I know, Sam, you were covering uh, Victoria West um, in their 29-5A matchup against Gregory Portland. Um, you know, what did you see out of West in that game, and how were they able to, you know, get that win over Gregory Portland? Well, it, it started off slow for – it started off real slow for the Warriors. They dropped the first set. I mean, they, they committed seven errors in that. Uh, the biggest thing about this is – with the win, and this is the, this is the lead. Don't want to bury it. West wins the North Zone, which means they will play in the District Twenty Nine Five A Championship match. Because with the with the way uh, the district is split into zones, that means they're the number one seed in the North Zone. They'll go play the number one South seed, which will be either uh, either Flower Bluff or Corpus Christi Veterans Memorial, although it looks like it will be Flower Bluff, just nothing has nothing has been set in stone. But like I said, West comes out, they, they drop the first set behind mistakes, mistakes, mistakes. But then you see four players really start to take over. Uh, senior outside hitter Caroline Cohen picks up uh, picks up 18 kills in, in the match. You get double figures from all four of these girls. Avery Carlo with with 14, Grace Weiler with a career-high 13, and then Hannah Lace, she goes and posts a double-double of 10 kills, 15 digs, and they really got going there in that second set, and part of it was Cohen. Cohen went ahead, decided she was going to step up and make some make some big plays at the net. She picked up a couple of blocks. She had three kills in the set. Uh, same thing with Carlo, and they just they just started to roll from there and they did not they did not look back very very solid play at the net but you also look at against a team like GP who plays really well at the net they've got a lot of power they've got a lot of strength the defense the back row has to be good and it was it was for West Jasmine Valenzuela the, the libero steps up with 22 digs as the warriors Picked up 76 as a team. Just a phenomenal defensive game for them. They also had nine blocks at the net. So that's what it is. And now in two weeks, Wes is going to play for a district championship. That that was the first goal on their list. And, well, they're there. And 
regardless of the outcome of that match, it's good because now they're now they're one of the top two seeds and they'll have to contend with a with a three or a four seed coming out of the Valley and West has done really well against Valley teams in the playoffs over the last few years as now this is going to be I think 12 or 13 years straight that uh no this is going to be 12 years that West has made the playoffs ever since they opened their doors so West keeps it going and advances to the District 29 5A championship match Jeremiah you were out you were up in Yoakum and you got you know at the beginning of the season this would have been a match that was very, very intriguing and, and, and eye-catching because Yoakum always contends. They always play really well. And then Hallettsville was coming off of its best season ever. But coming into the match, Yoakum trying to fight to stay in in second place in the district behind uh, Columbus, who I think is ranked, I think they're ranked second or third in the state. And you know, Howitzville, they're in fifth. They're fighting for a playoff spot a year after making it to the regional semifinals. Yoakum comes out with a win, and it seemed it seemed like Yoakum has a lot of maturity, and they're able to they were able to respond to the adversity that they they found last night against a, a decent Howitzville team. What what led to Yoakum picking up the win? Yeah, I mean, from out of the gate, you know, Yoakum, they, they looked pretty solid. I think in the first two sets, they outscored Hallisville by uh, 17 points. And then, you know, in that third set, you know, Hallisville came out. Um, they went up 18 to 12 over Yoakum. And, you know, Yoakum, they had they had some errors. They had some mistakes. But, you know, they were, they were able to fight back in that set, you know, get it to around 20 to 19. But then they ended up losing that one. Uh, but then, you know, the next set, you know, they came back and, you know, they pretty much dominated uh, Hallisville in that fourth set to, to win the match 3-1. Um, but you know, really for for Yoakum, I think it was uh, you know it was really their setter. I think uh, Macy Blakeney she had about thirty seven uh, assists, and you know she was setting up pre- pretty much uh, all of her you know hitters, you know the, the middle blocker, and you know I think that she played a real real uh, real important role in you know getting that win and you know setting up her team you know in that fourth set to you know uh, get that win over over Hallettsville. So you know you know along with Blakeney, you got. Um, Gianna Phillips, uh, she had about 14 kills. So, you know, it was overall, you know, good, good, um, you know, test for, for Yoakum against Hallettsville. But, you know, they were able to come back in that four set and win it and, you know, um, just, you know, overcome that adversity and get the win. So, you know, overall, good win for, for Yoakum to stay in second place in their district. All right. Quickly, well, I mean, quickly, we're through, through two parts right there. And now it's time to take a little break and hear a message from White Trash Services. I'm joined by BJ Nelson. BJ, White Trash Services, what is it and and what do y'all do? Well, thank you for asking. We gather trash in the counties around the Crossroads area. We've been in business for eight years and we have dumpster, trash can, and roll-off companies. And you know y'all are y'all are big advocates for for sports throughout the Crossroads region. Just what makes y'all want to sponsor uh, all all high school sports throughout the Victoria area? High school sports are amazing. One, they keep kids out of trouble. It teaches them about character, teaches them about right and wrong, uh, how to do better in life. You learn a lot of life skills in sports and especially football. 
And how can someone get a hold of White Trash Services to start their service, rent a roll-off, or apply to be a part of your team? You can give us a call at 361-550-1826. I have a team of ladies that answer the phone and gentlemen. So give us a call anytime, 8 to 5 during the day, and uh, we'd be happy to visit with you about any of those things. And we're back on episode eight of the grid. It's time for recaps from week seven. As district races are starting to heat up, we'll kick this we'll kick this one off with a game from Memorial Stadium. And it seems a little bit closer than than we expected. East comes out with the win. They move to two and one in district play and two and uh two and four overall after the Titans beat Corpus Christi Ray twenty one to ten. They're back on track, but you know, going up, going up against this Ray defense with with the injuries that they had, you know, it seemed like Ray was able to to keep this close with the way their defense played and with the way their offense kind of controlled possession. Uh, but biggest thing I think is we saw uh, we saw Jaden Williams with an E step up, had a good game. I saw him in the spring game this year, and and he looked good then. He gets a chance here, and he's over 100 yards. Uh, Jeremiah, how this how this game end up the way it did? Yeah, no. Well, I talked to uh, Jaden Williams, you know, the junior running back before the game, and he he had told me that you know the coaches just let him know before the game that he was going to be starting. So you know, for him to you know get over 100 yards, uh, 20 26 carries, you know, it was a solid game for him. But I think like after I talked after the game, I talked to Jaden Williams, the quarterback. And, you know, he was just telling me how he was a little bit disappointed with their offense. He thought they could have uh, played better. I know he, he missed a few deep shots down the field. I know one of them to Matthew Jackson, um, he missed one. But, you know, I feel like the offense, they, you know, they had the solid game out of, you know, running back Jaden Williams. Um, quarterback Jaden Williams, he had a solid game in the pa- in, in a solid passing game. But I feel like there was just, like, small mistakes where they could have capitalized on, um, you know, to set them up to, you know, score more points. I know three touchdowns is, you know, decent, but it's not it's not what you expect against a an array team like that. Um and on the defensive side of the ball I know uh, you know, Joe Soto, he had a interception to set up the offense. Um they had a forced fumble. So, you know, it was a, you know, overall solid win for, for East. And I think if you're, you know, coming into this week against Corpus Christi uh King, you know, you're 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 pleased with what you did last week, but you there, you also realize that there's some things that you can improve on. I think, uh, you know, East definitely real, realizes that. And I know another game that, you know, that we, we focus on here is uh, Corpus Christi Veterans Memorial against uh, Victoria West. And I know, Sam, you've, you've covered West pretty much this entire season. You know, what did you see uh, see in that game that kind of stuck out to you? Well, the thing is, West was, West was right there. They were within five points at halftime against Veterans Memorial, who, along with Corpus Christi Miller, those are the two favored teams to win the district, and they're expected to go 1-2. We don't necessarily know what order, but they certainly look the part of the top two teams in the district. And I think that's certainly encouraging for Wes that they were able to hang right there. But then you look on the flip side. They gave they give up 629 629- 629 yards, 630 yards of 
total offense to Veterans Memorial. They kept giving up the big play, and that's the thing that's keeping that's keeping West from being a true contender right now. They have the they have the athletes, they have the skill, and 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 they have those moments where they play phenomenal. But when it comes to these moments. You know, they've got to step up. They've got to step up in the big moments because this team has talked about wanting to win a district championship. And one of the biggest things you've got to do if you want to accomplish that goal is you've got to beat the teams ahead of you. And Vets is one of them. Miller's another. They'll get that test in a couple of weeks. So, you know, you see that it's it's just that's what they got to do to make that turn. Camden Rupp, another good game. Uh Decent game, 17 of 31 passing. He had 253 yards, two touchdowns, but also two interceptions. Also rushed for a pair of touchdowns as well. You know, West just, they've just got to find a way to find a way to make those plays when they need to and, and get those stops, get the defense off the field and not give up those big plays. That's one big thing that head coach Courtney Boyce talked about this week. We're going to go, we're going to head up the road to beautiful El Campo, Texas, and the state's oldest continuous rivalry. Mike, you were there. El Campo wins 37-27. Bay City played well, but the trick plays come in handy for for El Campo. Just how deep did El Campo have to dig into its Halloween bag of tricks in order to come out with the win over their rival. Well, there's no question those two trick plays, the pass plays, helped. Uh, the first one was uh, thrown by Reuben Owens, and uh, his receiver was uh, uh, Hal Irwin was wide open. That completely fooled Bay City. And I think uh, Coach Chad Worrell from El Campo said after the game they practiced that play like 25 times. So they they hit that well. Um the second one was a, a straight, uh, I guess what you call a, uh, like a pitch back to the quarterback, and uh, he threw. The receiver wasn't as open. The Bay City uh, defender was able to run back, but the, uh, the the receiver was able to turn his body and shield the defender and make the catch. And there's two touchdowns right there. But the the real difference in this game for Bay City was turnovers again. Uh Right before half, they're down 16 to 14. They're in El Campo territory, less than a minute left, driving, and they have an outstanding kicker. So uh, they look like they might be have a chance to take the lead. Well, uh, Bay City's quarterback, who's a sophomore, gets wrapped up, a uh, heavy rush, and as he's going to the ground, he attempts to throw the ball out of bounds. Well... That didn't work out because it was intercepted by Al Campo and returned for a touchdown. So there you have a big swing right before half. Bay City, uh, Al Campo comes back and does one of its trick plays, the second one, a flea flicker, and uh, it works. And But here comes Bay City again. This time they get down to the 10 and fumble. So, uh, I mean, they're a young team. Their defense is outstanding. and uh, But you just can't have those critical errors if you're going to play and compete. They're still in the running for a playoff spot, but they're going to have to clean those mistakes up. As far as El Campo goes, um, 
Reuben Owens still got his yards, but he knows and everyone knows. I mean, when, when El Campo comes out, people are keying on Reuben Owens. So they're, they're looking for ways to distribute the ball. I know in that game, a lot of times he, he actually lined up, uh, flanked out as a receiver to try and, you know, spread the defense out a little bit. And, uh, the other thing is, I think they've come to the realization, uh, and this is, I thought, was real interesting, which uh, Coach Worrell told me after the game. They're not going to stop people. Their philosophy now is to bend but not break and limit big plays, which they did against Bay City. Like he mentioned, uh, the first play of the game, uh, Bay City throws a bomb to uh, Bryce Turner for like 60 yards. But uh, after that play, the Bay City never really hit a big play. So I think El Campo's kind of changed philosophies. Bay City's still in the growing stages, but you can see that there's something there, and I think uh, it's promising for the future. And, uh, you know, speaking of that part of the country, uh, you were up in Hallettsville, Sam. Uh, got to look at undefeated Columbus and Hallettsville. Uh, what, what did you take away from that game? I think the biggest takeaway is Columbus is a real deal. They can run the ball, and as soon as as soon as they've got teams keying on the run, what do they do? They hit you over the top. Uh, as Schobel, their quarterback, has proven that he's more than capable, just a sophomore, and, and able to hit the deep ball, able to hit the big shots, the those home run balls, and that's kind of what that's kind of what happened. I mean, Howardsville dealing with plenty of injuries this season and you know they were tra- they were trailing uh 20 to uh 21 to 6 at at halftime and coming out Hallsville got the ball to start the to start the second half and you know they get down there they get down to the they get down to the 7 it's um it's 4th and 6 and what do they do? They go for it. And uh, Tommy Tommy Penchik, he wanted to go for it. Brant Trilishek, who's serving as the team starting quarterback after um, Jorian Wilson got injured, uh, he wanted to go for it. The entire team wanted to go for it. That was a do-or-die play with the way Columbus had stopped Hallettsville before. They knew they had to get a play there. Well, Trilishek's pass to the left side of the end zone, knocked out of bounds, turnover on downs, Columbus goes down, they score, and they just rolled, and Columbus looked good. And, and Howlettsville still looked good, too. I mean, for all the injuries they've got, Trilshack was supposed to be a receiver this year, and, and he's settled in, and he's done a great job. The running backs for for Howlettsville, they've done a great job, and they're supposed to get one back. You know, it's... Austin, that, that's the one who's who's supposed to be coming back soon. You know, the the way Howitzville played, they still look like they can do some good things. They've got, they've grown a lot. It was just their young offensive line getting getting swallowed up by by the size of Columbus. Columbus is big; they are big and they can move, and, and that was that was the biggest thing. So. I mean, not not a bad loss. I mean, Columbus had been scoring 60, 70 points per game before that. So, I mean, 
Tommy and 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 the and the Brahmas they'll, they'll tell you first off they don't want moral victories, but that's certainly that's certainly a positive they can take from that, and they can hang their hat on. Hey, we're our defense still plays well, and as long as you have that consistency, you got a chance to do a lot, a lot of good things. Hey, Mike, you want to know what my favorite uh, mantra is in in sports? All gas, no brakes. And that is exactly what we had down in Bloomington as Kennedy comes out 66, 50 winners over Bloomington in a game that was just wild. Kevin Hallstrom covering it. Uh, I think the I think the funniest thing about this is the entire when when we were getting ready for this game. We were saying, you know, what's what's going to happen? You know, Kennedy loves to run the ball. They're, they're going to try and chew up Klong. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Bloomington they want they're air raid. They want to throw the ball. They want to they want to air it out. But neither neither team really played any defense. Kennedy five hundred and thirty five yards of total offense, all of it on the ground. And Daniel Pena, big game for him, two hundred and forty six yards, five touchdowns. Kid's only a sophomore. He can run the ball. And, you know, you look at the, this, there's a lot to take away. Kennedy being able to kind of impose that running game and just kind of carve up Bloomington. And then you look at Bloomington being competitive in this game, had a chance to snap up that uh, extended district losing streak is now it's gone to 40 games. You know, you see this result and you see the way this game played out. I know as you were following it, you were kind of sitting there going, wait, what? What just happened? So you see the results. You see it. What? What's the takeaway from this game? Is, is I mean, it seems like both teams are trending upward with with the way they're playing. It's just a couple of things that they need to fix in order to be in order to be really solid and maybe challenge for that 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 fourth playoff spot it sure looks like that four spot's going to come down to that uh kennedy and three rivers game and uh three rivers of course look you know started out real well and then it's run into uh like everyone else it runs into refurio and shiner and boy you see what happens and uh yeah so uh but uh you know, Bloomington has proven now that it can put points on the board. Uh, the question I think that they have to answer is, can they stop people? And obviously they have not stopped people in, in, in the district. Now, you know, that, of course, we, you talk about baby steps. I think now I think, uh, you know, that's what they're taking. But uh, I think there'll be a lot of... Uh, a lot of eyes on that uh, Three Rivers Kennedy game because that that really appears to be headed to deciding uh, the fourth and final playoff spot. Another game we wanted to we we wanted to mention as we are blowing through this episode today. Flatonia thirty five, Hearn twenty. I don't think we. I mean, we knew Flatonia was going to be good because they they have a lot of experienced guys back there, and. and and there's n- there wasn't much turnover for them from last year, and they had a they had a solid year. But Mike, as you wrote in your column this week, they're making the most of this move to to this northern northern district. They're undefeated in it, and they got a chance to potentially 
win the district title. And it, you go up there, you talk to Chris Freitag and, and the Bulldogs, you know, what was the message? What was what was the vibe from the team? I mean, they've got, they've got to be flying high right now. There's no doubt there's a certain confidence there, and it's well-founded. I mean, they do have a lot of experience, a lot of senior guys that have played. And uh, you have to remember, you know, the last two years, they were in the district with uh, the state champion, Shiner. And uh, so they're, they're used to seeing good competition, and they don't shy away from it. They they uh, ended up playing uh, last year with Furio in the playoffs. That's when their season ended. So they don't shy away from it. So, uh, you know, this it it's not just the move, though. I mean, it, there's talent in this district. Hearn has incredible athletes. Uh, Thorndale has always had a good team. And I think the mystery team right now is Holland. Uh, we really don't know too much about how good Holland is until it starts playing some of the better teams in district. But... Uh, Platonia has a game with Schulenburg this this week. That's a big Fayette County rivalry, those two schools. And, of course, you know, this will be the first game for Gilbert Price as the interim head coach. And I, actually I finally got a chance to speak with him. And uh, he said something very interesting, which, you know, I didn't even think about because they're sitting there winless. If they can win out, they're going to the playoffs. And, uh, you know, I actually don't even have to win out if they can win the next three games, which uh, which is Thrall, Weimer, both those teams have struggled, and then Holland. So if they can win three of the last four, they can go to the playoffs. So, you know, as we sit here and look, you, you kind of have a tendency sometimes to forget now with four teams in the playoff that there are a lot of teams still fighting for a playoff berth. And uh, this week, you know, will be, I think a lot of them will see where they stand after this week. And, you know, one of those teams that we had talked about, um, you just talked about Columbus. Well, Columbus goes to play Hitchcock. And both those teams are 7-0. and And both teams are really good teams. And, uh, you know, everybody, I remember at the first of the year where everybody was like, oh, my gosh, what's wrong with Refurio? Well, Apparently, it wasn't so much all Refurio, but also Hitchcock. And uh, Coach Bo Robinson, when I went over there, when he was going for his 200th win, he told me, he said, uh, he thought Hitchcock had the best athletes in the district. So uh, that's going to be really interesting, you know, unless uh, Yoakum can somehow, um, you know, unless Yoakum can somehow jump in there with an upset of Columbus, then... uh, Basically, Hallettsville and Yoakum look like they'll be playing for third and fourth. Going to be a lot of playoff picture talk over the next couple of weeks. I mean, as I said, we're we're getting ready to transition into our week eight previews. There's just now three more or four more weeks left in the season. Week eight, nine, ten, and eleven. So I know, Mike, you're you're shaking your head. Where'd the time go? I know. Pretty soon, I'm gonna have to. Pretty soon I'm going to get married because time's just flying by. But so let's get into, let's dive into week eight. First game we're going to look at, uh, Jeremiah, you touched on it. East hosts Corpus Christi King. King is winless. King has looked, unfortunately, they have not looked great. They have not played well. 
West scored 72 on them. That was a school record. East, with its offense, and, and should be able to do just about the same. I mean, they, they've got to go out and do it, obviously. And I know head coach Roland Gonzalez is telling his team to make sure that they maintain that focus. But this is a game where East needs to dominate. It's also a big game because Gonzalez is going for win number 100 in his career. Uh, that spans multiple schools, but, but he's mostly been at East for what the last, almost the last decade and maybe even longer. You look at this matchup, and, and this is one of those games where it's not so much how you win by, it's the way you win. If this team's able to go out and score and able to do that frequently and not able and doesn't commit those those boneheaded mistakes that you see that you see. I mean the the fumbles, the turnovers, the penalties. How important is it for East to go out in this game that's that and that's one of the most winnable games they'll they'll play this season and play its perfect it, it play as perfect as possible. Yeah, well I mean coming off of a game like last week against Corpus Christi Ray, I know I talked about you know how the offense states they, they thought that they can perform better and I think, you know, going up against King this week, you know, which is 0 and six, I think this really gives them the opportunity to do that. Um the King defense, you know, they've allowed over forty nine uh, uh an average of forty nine points per game. Um so you know this 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 East offense is really gonna have to, you know, come out hot from come out of the gate, you know, try to score as many points as you can because you know, this defense, uh, East defense, I know they, they uh, you know, they had a good game last week. So I, know, I feel like East, they really have to, you know, step up, you know, get um, whether whether it's Giles in the backfield, if he comes back or, you know, the other Jaden Williams. I think uh, they're going to have a solid play in the backfield. And I feel like Jaden Williams, the quarterback, um, you know, he's going to have to have a good game, you know, get some of his receivers involved in the passing game. And I, th- I think, you know, this can really set East up, you know, going forward in the rest of the district season, uh, you know, which, you know, isn't a lot. I know they only have a few few more games, but um, I feel like Jaden Williams, the quarterback, he has to, you know, have another, you know, breakout game where he gets, you know, uh, you know, good good amount of passing yards and, and rushing yards. So, you know, for East, this game should be, you know, a dominant win if they're able to, you know, come out from the gate and, you know, do what they're supposed to do. And I know another uh, game that we cover over here is uh, Victoria West versus Corpus Christi uh, Ray. And I know Sam, you know you're following uh, West this much, pretty much this entire season. Um, what does West need to do to you know bounce back after that tough loss last week? The number one thing they need to do is much like much like East, they need to come out and they need to dominate from the get go. I mean, I mean this Ray team, they're, they're three and three. They won their first three. And they've since dropped their first three games in district play. So, I mean, the district competition is is a lot, is too much for, for Ray. Although they are, all three of their, all three of their win, or no, they're 2-0 and at home. They're 2-0 and at home, so, and I know that's kind of weird because they're shared stadium, so everyone's kind of technically a home team. But that's what the stats say. But they need to come out and they need to dominate. Rapper has shown glimpses. He's done well. He's made improvements. He just needs to cut back on 
on those on those interceptions, on those turnovers. I mean, you look at what he was able to do. He was able to rush for two touchdowns last week. He threw for two. He had 253 yards. He's done really, really well over these last three weeks since they've gotten into district play. Now it's about cleaning it up, and this is one of those games where he gets that opportunity. But it's going to be tough because you saw it. Ray loves to just play coverage, and they love to... They love to tell you, "Hey, try and try and beat us up front. Let's keep this game low scoring. Let's let's just try and grind that clock out." So that's going to be the thing. Wes is going to have to find a way to impose its style of play, uh, which is up tempo, try and run a play every sixteen seconds or so, and and just impose that on the Texans. Mike, I'm going to be at. Industrial Edna, the Lavaca River Showdown. This is going to be the second straight year I've covered it. And it always seems to live up to the hype. It always has district implications. It always means a lot to both of these communities. And it's going to be another good one. Industrial comes in 6-1, and 3-0. and oh. They're playing really well, especially behind the play of Ashton Garza. He's grown up a lot this season. He's done really really well running the ball and meanwhile Edna 5-1 2-0 they're they're coming in here as the defending district champions and this could very well decide who wins the district I mean last year it did but it was it was last game of the it was last game of the regular season for Edna and you know kind of same thing with with 2020 I mean you look at it, uh, Cade wrote us last year, three touchdowns. That was kind of his breakout game. He had 42 yards on 42 yards and those three touchdowns on eight carries. Very efficient. And on the flip side, Ashton Garza, this is when he really got thrown into the fire. Matthew Davis gets hurt. He comes in and, and I don't care if you're, if you're a senior and you're used to it, but you get thrown in and you're having to play that, you're having to play a bigger role than what you're used to in a rivalry game, it's tough. But we've seen the changes. I mean, Edna, they're playing physical. They're playing good football. Industrial's doing the same, and Garza has grown up a lot. You you went out there this week, and you talked to the, the coaching staffs and the players at Edna and Industrial. How excited, how electric are, are the, are, were those practices as they get ready for what could potentially decide this district? I don't think there's any doubt that, or very little doubt, that the winner of this game is going to win this district. Uh, Edna still has to go play Goliad, which could be a tough game, but uh, industrial schedule is very favorable the rest of the season. Um, this is a game that Edna, this is Edna's year. I mean, let's everybody knows this. They're, they're big, they're fast. They have experience. Uh, Jaden Clay is a junior, but he's played since he was a freshman, since I think halfway through his freshman year. So, I mean, Edna's a very experienced team, very big team, very solid team, well-coached team. And then you look at Industrial, which uh, they went through a coaching change, you know, and they lost some key players. But, uh, you know, Craig Nairn has come in there, put his offense in, uh, Ashton Garza, as you mentioned, has really taken over that team as the leader. 
and uh, they have played well. And the other thing they've done is uh, they've won three games in the last minute. And uh, I'll tell you what, when that happens, that builds confidence. A team feels like it can win almost any game. And uh, one of the things that uh, Craig Nairn said to me when I was out there is, if they want to hang in there the first seven or eight minutes of this game and not let anything get crazy and get away from them, and they feel like the longer they hang, hang in there that they have a chance. And uh, I know Edna on the other side is probably thinking, wow, we want to strike fast. We want to play a good, clean game and uh, just take care of business here. And I think uh, this is a potential for uh, a very, uh, could be a very exciting game because uh, the stakes are high. You've got a county rivalry going on. Uh, Now you have a trophy even that, you know, the winner's going to get. But, uh, you know, two good teams, two good coaches, and uh, should be a lot of fun for you, Sam. Yeah, it was a lot of fun last year. I mean, just just great, great atmosphere, and that's exactly what you want in these in these contested but yet friendly rivalry games. I mean, most of these players they've played against or they've played with each other since they were since they were playing pee wee football. They've played each other in in multiple sports, so. There's a lot of familiarity there, and that always that always creates a fun little wrinkle into these rivalries. Mike, you're gonna be you're gonna be at Gobbler Stadium, seven thirty p.m. on Friday as Gonzalez travels to Quero in district play. Hey, look at Gonzalez; they they open up district play with the win, but now you're gonna get uh, you're gonna get Quero and Quero, despite that loss to Cal Allen, they still look incredible i mean the defense the way they play it's it's a suffocating defense and their offense just continues to 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 grow and and find ways to get better especially with mason natara quarterback you know you look at cuero who's up to who's up to number three in the state rankings now it it seems like this is a chance on cuero's homecoming for for the gobblers to go out there and romp, you know, is is there anything to make you think that maybe Gonzalez can come out and and give Quero a a a run for the run for their money, if and maybe not for the entire game, but at least early on. This game is uh has always been a big rivalry, and it, it's not what it used to be. It used to be Quero Gonzalez, I think, was as much of a rivalry almost as Quero and Yoakum. Because, uh, you know, until the schools kind of changed size a lot and Gonzalez and Quero weren't always in the same district, that might have taken away some of the uh, some of the intensity from the rivalry. But it's still a rivalry. And I remember when um, Joey Rivera took over at uh, Gonzalez, he, he, he made no bones about it. He said, well, I think we're a playoff team. And uh, they started out with a win over Caldwell. Obviously, this is much tougher. I think this will be a way for him to gauge uh, where his program's at. As far as Cuero, uh, they want to continue to improve and get better. Um, you know, ever since that Cal Allen game, I, I kind of feel like they're, uh, I don't want to say they're on a mission, but they, they are definitely want to put that in their rearview mirror and show people that, that they are, 
a much better team. And I think I just think that every week that Cuero has a chance to get better because every week they become more familiar with the offense. And as they become more familiar and execute better, wow, just the potential for this team is really unlimited. And uh, I think they want to stay on course as they uh, head to the playoffs. And uh, we're talking about rivalries. Uh, we've got one, don't we, at uh, – I guess it'd be uh, Brahma Memorial Stadium this this time with uh, Shiner St. Paul and uh, Hallettsville Sacred Heart. They always get together every year. As we know, uh, Shiner St. Paul recently has uh, had the most success, having won, what, four straight state titles. But this year, both teams have struggled a little bit. In fact, I think uh, they're both coming into this game with three and four records. So, uh, Sam, I mean uh, – this will be interesting. A lot of bragging rights here at stake. And uh, believe me, if you know these schools, they do not like to lose to the other schools. So I think that that's something to really uh, look at. Yeah, a lot of bragging rights and potentially a lot of momentum. I mean, you look at the, you look at the games that these teams have played. I know St. Paul played Flatonia to open the season. That's one of their losses. They play a lot of good quality teams, but still it's a little bit, it's a little bit jarring to sit there and see two teams that frequently make these deep, deep playoff runs and and in taps division four to come in with to come into this matchup with losing records. And you know, we talked about it. St. Paul, they've been on that that tear. They want to go win they want to go win a fifth uh division of four tap state title. And to do it, well, you gotta beat Sacred Heart. And if Sacred Heart wants to go do go win one well you got to you got to knock off the defending champ so lot and and in addition to the traditional rivalry layers that you have there i mean they're they're separated by just a few miles and they know a lot of these guys know each other a lot of uh, all of that then you have the 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 layer of what it means to beat the other in terms of where these teams hope to be at the end of the season. So that'll be a good one. Our friend Kevin Ostrom will be covering that one. Also shout out to Howard Essie. He's going to be, he's going to be with us this week. He's going to shoot that game for us as well. So we are very happy to have Howard there. Howard, if you're listening, thank you. Yes. (laughs) Well-traveled. Speaking of taps, Saturday, it's homecoming for the Flyers. St. Joseph, one and five, zero and three in district. They're going to host St. Anthony, who's two and four, and also zero and three. That's eleven a.m. Saturday at Memorial Stadium. Kevin Allstrom also going to be there for that one. You know, there's no time like Saturday for either of these teams. As as the weeks go on, as we near the end of the regular season, the urgency has to be there. And, you know, even if it, you know, I've got to go back and look and see what it's going to take for either team to make it to the playoffs. I know they're still alive here, but even if they're not, you still you still want to try and close out the, the season with momentum. When, when, when I was in college 2013, you know, we – we didn't live up to our expectations. We 
we finished the season five and six, but we won the last three, and then we went on to win conference the next year, went nine and three, went to the playoffs. So that's another thing you want. You want to try and generate that momentum. Maybe it gets you to the playoffs. And if you get to the playoffs, you get the you get the extra practices. You get the that extra time with your JV players who might be running scout team, who might be getting reps as third and third, fourth, fifth string guys and uh as uh, during the week of preparation. So there's there's a lot to play for here and for St. Joseph, they're they're hopefully getting some players back like Sam Harrell, their defensive end, who's played really well for them, and they really want to get him back, and they really need to find a win over St. Anthony. Another game we're looking at, Mike, we, you, you and I talked about it. Poth, it seems like we always talk about them being undefeated in district. They do a great job. The Pirates, really good. But Nixon Smiley. How about them? Here they come. They've got they've got a chance here. Poth and Nixon Smiley meet this week too, um, in district play, and it's going to be a good one. Well, that's all we that's all we've really got to say uh, on that one. We're running we're running long again. Well, that'll do it for us here on episode eight of the Grid. Be sure to like, follow, and share this this podcast and. Be sure to follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, all that. And next week, we'll be back with episode nine of The Grid. Thank you for listening.